48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. National Security Police swoop on a union that published children's books featuring what officers say are seditious sheep. Seven men who took part in the year-long mob attack are jailed for up to seven years. And four former senior staff of Apple Daily are denied bail on charges of conspiracy to collude with foreign forces. National Security Police have arrested five members of the General Union of Hong Kong Speech Therapists on suspicion of publishing seditious material in the form of three children's comic books about a conflict between sheep and wolves. Senior Superintendent Lee Kui Wah said the books were intended to incite hatred of the government and the legal system. He said they were based on the 2019 protests, the case of 12 Hong Kong youths who allegedly tried to flee to Taiwan, and a strike by medics last year. Don't think that this is very simple storybooks, but the inside they have uh, some information of uh, some of the material inside, which is uh, with a seditious intent, which bring the hatred against the government and the administration of the justice and inciting the violence to the others. Police said the two men and three women aged 25 to 28 were arrested under the Crimes Ordinance, not the National Security Law. The maximum penalty is two years in prison. Seven men who took part in mob attacks in Yunlong two years ago have been jailed for up to seven years for rioting and wounding, the highest sentence the district court can dole out. Francis Sitt reports. Last month, the court convicted five men of wounding and rioting, while two others had earlier pleaded guilty. In sentencing, Judge Eddie Yip said deterrent sentences were needed because the incident had caused huge fear among the public, with the gang in Yunlong taking the law into their own hands, attacking and unlawfully imprisoning innocent citizens. Passengers at the MTR station were attacked indiscriminately. It was as if the assailants had lost their minds, the judge said. The judge also described the force used at night as premeditated because some defendants were holding rods. He described as far-fetched one defendant's claim that he had picked up a rod to protect himself. The seven defendants were given sentences of between three and a half years and seven years. West Kowloon Court has denied bail to four former Apple Daily senior staff charged with violating the national security law. Damon Pang has more. Associate publisher Chan Pui Man, editorial writer and English news section head Feng Wai Kong, executive chief editor Lam Man Chong and editorial writer Yang Cheng Kei are accused of conspiracy to collude with foreign forces by allegedly seeking sanctions against Hong Kong or China. The alleged offences took place between July 2020 and April 2021. In applying for bail, the forced lawyers said their clients were willing to accept conditions, including not taking media interviews, never working in the media industry again, and not contacting overseas officials or legislators. They also said they would never publish any articles that could be seen as endangering national security and were willing to surrender their travel documents. However, Judge Victor So, a designated national security judge, turned down their applications. He said there's not enough evidence to believe the defendants will not commit further acts endangering national security. The case was adjourned until September the 30th. Scores of people attended the court hearing, many of them former workers at the pro-democracy newspaper. Two former senior executives of the paper, chief editor Ryan Law and publisher Chang Kim Hong, had earlier been charged under the national security law, as was Apple Daily's founder Jimmy Lai. The newspaper shut down last month, printing its final edition on June the 24th. It's at the close due to a lack of funds after the government froze its assets as part of a national security investigation.
Residents of a block in Tunmun are on lockdown tonight after one of their neighbours was diagnosed with a mutant strain of the coronavirus. The woman was diagnosed in quarantine after a visit to Dubai, but mandatory tests were ordered because she had stayed at Handsome Court on Castle Peak Road within the past 21 days. Officials hope to finish the operation by 7 in the morning. People who were at the patient's workplace, Eaton Tower in Causeway Bay, between June the 30th and July the 11th, must also take a test. And a look at the weather, it'll be mainly fine, very hot during the day tomorrow, temperatures ranging between 28 and 34 degrees. There will be a few showers later. Light to moderate west to northwesterly winds, and it's going to remain very hot apart from a few showers in the next couple of days. Temperature now 29 degrees, humidity 83%, and the very hot weather warning is in effect. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is 5 minutes past 11. Health experts say it's too early to decide whether to offer a third dose of the COVID vaccine to people who've had both their shots, as only about 40% of citizens have had even a first jab. Lao Yu Lung, who chairs the Scientific Committee of the Centre for Health Protection, says they will consider the matter when more data is available in a few months. David Hoy, who heads another CHP committee, urged people to get flu jabs this year, but said they should wait at least two weeks between getting doses of COVID and flu vaccines. This is based on some study indicating that co-administration of the two vaccines may increase the local and systemic side effects by about 15%. You can imagine you have two vaccines at the same time. So naturally, you have more side effects, fever, fatigue, etc. And the same study also has shown that uh, co-administration of the two vaccines might reduce the antibody level of the Novavax, COVID-19 vaccine antibody level. Authorities reported one new imported infection today, an asymptomatic 49-year-old woman who flew in from the United States. A 62-year-old man will appear in Fanling Court tomorrow charged with murder and arson over the death of a woman and, two, and her two daughters. The woman, aged 42, and her children, 8 and 13, were found unconscious in a burnt-out subdivided flat in Taipo last Monday and were declared dead soon afterwards. Police believe the victims were stabbed before the home was set on fire. The Ombudsman has urged the administration to set up a central database of foreign language interpreters that all government departments can use to ensure people who cannot speak either Chinese or English enjoy equal access to public services. Wendy Wong reports. The watchdog says departments have been relying on a non-governmental organisation to provide language support to ethnic minorities or hiring qualified freelance interpreters as they are needed. Ombudsman Winnie Chu says law enforcement personnel have also have to make their own arrangements for interpretation services since 2018, when the Judiciary Administration decided to stop sharing its list of more than 300 interpreters with other government departments. Since uh, the list of registered interpreters are for the use in court proceedings, uh, they find it not uh, suitable to take, a, to take the role of coordinating the interpretation uh, services uh, procurement of other government departments. The Ombudsman says these arrangements without centralised guidance or minimum requirements would inevitably become less efficient. Ms Chu is urging the Constitutional and Mainland Affairs Bureau, which is tasked with promoting racial equality, to start a database for all government departments' use. We find that it might not be um, operationally efficient for different departments to do basically similar thing. Hence, we recommend the CMAB to 
coordinate and establish a central database of such qualified uh, interpreters for everybody's use uh, within the government. In response, the Bureau says a non-government organization commissioned by the Home Affairs Department already offers free and instant telephone interpretation and inquiry services between English and eight other languages. It says this satisfies the needs of most public authorities, but says it will study the Ombudsman's recommendation. Tens of thousands of people have been evacuated from flood-hit regions as the number of dead in heavy rains that hit Henan province rose to at least 33. There's been widespread horror at social media footage coming out of the province, showing people in life-or-death situations, massive destruction, devastating floodwaters and torrential rain. Economic losses are estimated at 1.2 billion yuan. The disaster is raising more questions about the country's ability to protect its people against extreme weather events, as well as its commitment in the global fight against climate change. Wang Huayao is the founder and president of the Beijing-based think tank, the Centre for China and Globalisation, and advises state leaders on, among other things, environmental policy. I think this is uh, really uh, sending a huge alarm, not only to China, but also probably to the world as well. This uh, heavy rain, you know, this flood uh, in uh, central China, the one of the big urban centres in China, Zhengzhou, which already have casualties and uh, lost lives and, uh, and property damage. Those infrastructure building Zhengzhou, probably not good enough to cope with this uh, once in a thousand years of uh, heavy rain and the floods and storm. But also I think that uh, it's a big urbanization going on. There's, there's a lot of uh, infrastructure. Uh, because uh, as we can see, every year there's about 20 million people went to the big cities in China, 100 million people located to the urban center every every five, ten years. So, so that's really a huge challenge for China as well. So I think this is going to send a huge uh, signal to all the urban center cities in China that we should upgrade our uh, local infrastructure, the drainage system, the irrigation system, the discharge channels and things like that, so that uh, we don't have this kind of event. So this event gave us all, uh, really a huge uh, alarm. And uh, not only for China, probably for all the other countries in the world as well. We have to really respect nature. We have to fight uh, climate change uh, as hard as we can so that we can really uh, you know, avoid this kind of disaster as much as we can. Beijing has dismissed plans by the World Health Organization for the second phase of a study into the origins of COVID-19, which would ex- include the theory that the virus might have leaked from a mainland laboratory. Wendy Wong reports. Vice Minister of the National Health Commission Zheng Yixing told the press conference that he was taken aback when he learned that the WHO's plans list the hypothesis that violation of lab protocols had caused the virus to leak during research. We won't accept such an origin tracing plan because it disregards common sense and divide science, he said. Mr. Zheng also said reports that staff and graduate students at the Wuhan Institute of Virology had become sick with the virus and might have transmitted it to others were untrue. He said he hopes the World Health Body would regard tracing the origin of the virus as a scientific matter that's free of political interference. Last week, the WHO said a second stage of the international probe should include audits of Chinese labs. The highly politicized debate centers on whether the theory of a lab leak should be ruled out as a possibility or if it merits further study. Overseas, Norway's Prime Minister Erna Solberger said hatred must not go unchallenged as she spoke at a ceremony to mark the 10th anniversary of the killing of 77 people by a far-right extremist Anders Brevik. 
He shot dead most of his victims at a summer camp for teenagers. One survivor, Astrid Holm, said the intense pain had not gone away. Now they should have been 28, 26, 23 years old, but they who will last will forever be 13, 16, 18 years old. So it's a grief that's uh, just evolving over the years because we don't get to know the persons as they would have been today. In sport, Tokyo Olympic organisers are carrying out a last-minute reassessment of how to hold tomorrow's opening ceremony after sacking its creative director, Kentaro Kobayashi. Uh, Kentaro Kobayashi was dismissed for anti-Semitic remarks he'd made as a comedian more than 20 years ago. It's the latest in a series of scandals to hit the games. The BBC's Alex Capstick is in Tokyo. In March, Mr Kobayashi's former boss, Hiroshi Sasaki, he resigned after it emerged that he'd wanted uh, an element of the show to include a, a popular female comedian, Naomi Watanabe, dressed up as a pig. And earlier this week, uh, one of the musical directors, Keigo Ayamada, he quit after an interview which he gave in 1994. That was dug up. Uh, and in it, he confessed to bullying classmates at school who had uh, mental disabilities. As a result, the musical element, that's right at the top of the opening ceremony on Friday, which he composed, that's gone, and it now looks as though there will be other changes to the ceremony. Rower Winnie Hung is the first Hong Kong athlete in action ahead of the ceremony tomorrow morning. The 22-year-old will race in Heat 3 of the single schools event. She finished 8th in the 2018 Asian Games, and this is her first Olympics. My biggest worry is the being the last of the game, but I will try my best to do it well. And I've been a full-time athlete for only four years, so lack of experience. I need to get more experience and train more. Australia and New Zealand have pulled out of the Rugby League World Cup because of concerns about the coronavirus. They want the tournament, due to start in England in October, to be postponed. Here's the BBC's Eleanor Roper. With just 92 days until the World Cup gets underway, rugby league bosses in Australia and New Zealand say it would be too unsafe to take part. The chairman of the Rugby Football League, Simon Johnson, has called it a selfish and cowardly decision. He says the British public will want to know why they've pulled out when they have athletes at the Tokyo Olympics. The New Zealand cricket team have played in the UK and the Australian rugby union team are also due to visit. A reminder of our top stories, National Security Police swoop on a union that published children's books featuring what officers say are seditious sheep. Seven men who took part in the Yunlong mob attack are jailed for up to seven years, and four former senior staff of Apple Daily are denied bail. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. You placed gold. On my finger You brought love Like I've never known You gave life To our children And to me A reason to go on You're my bread when I'm hungry You're my shelter from troubled winds You're 
in life's ocean But most of all You're my best friend When I need hope And inspiration You're always strong When I'm tired and weak I could search This whole world over You'd still be Everything that I need You're my bread When I'm hungry You're my shelter from Troubled winds You're my anchor In life's ocean But most of all You're my best friend You're my bread When I'm hungry You're my shelter from Troubled winds You're my anchor In life's ocean But most of all You're my best friend Don Williams, one of his big hits from the 70s, of course, and You're My Best Friend. What was the other one that he had a hit with? I recall a gypsy woman. What should I write? What can I say? How can I tell you how much I miss you? Into our second hour, Carol King for you next. The weather here has been as nice as it can be. Although it doesn't really matter much to me For all the fun I'll have while you're so far away It might as well rain until September I don't need sunny skies for things I have to do Cause I stay home the whole day Rain. 